everybody. Daniel Ramsey here with my Outdesk. I'm, dude, right now, it's the perfect time to have this guest on. I can't tell you how many people are pivoting from the old school event marketing and like mailers to digital marketing. And so today, we've got Logan here from Sweet Fish Media to break down everything, all the strategy you need, everything you need to launch and scale a business using podcasts. So Logan, thanks for being here today. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure having you on our podcast, B2B Growth. We recorded just a couple of weeks ago talking about efficiencies, outsourcing, all that sort of stuff, your expertise, and really excited to dig into podcasting. We help a lot of B2B brands. So just for folks who are listening to this and thought about podcasting, all of what I say is going to be with through that lens of a podcast for a B2B brand. So if you sell business to business, then we can definitely help you with some strategy and uh, share some thoughts there, man. Perfect. Well, and wildly enough, a lot of our clients are coming to us and asking for assistance right now, marketing assistance, because they need help editing, they need help setting up a show. And I'm like, okay, who do I know that has this process nailed down? And bam, we got Logan on the call today. So I'm really excited. Logan, let's talk about what you're going to give the audience before we launch into what, you know, talking about today. If everybody stays to the end, you're going to give some stuff away. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about I, I pro probably four to five different core strategies you need to think about to successfully launch and sustain a podcast and drive results with it. Because what we found is that our customers don't want a podcast. They want an audience. Podcasting just happens to be exploding right now for a number of different reasons. So we're going to be talking about strategy. At the end, we're going to tell you where to go to get our step-by-step -step guide, 26 steps to launch a business podcast. So we'll follow up the strategy with some tactics that you can implement right away with that free guide. Well, and Logan, why should somebody listen to you? Why are you here today? Like, let's, and don't be worried about the ego thing. Like, talk yeah. yourself up. Why is it important for our audience to hear this message right now from you specifically? <laughs> it, it's a question that every parent wrestles with, right? Why should anyone listen to me? So, uh, you know, podcasting is exploding right now. But what I think we have in Sweetfish is a, a season of experience that has led us to where we are today we've been doing B2B podcasting for a half decade. So right. I would say not in, you know, anything that I've done, but our founder and CEO, James Carberry has been ahead of the curve. And so that means I jumped on two years ago after he'd been kind of struggling and I got to jump on right kind of at our hockey stick moment. So I, I sure. benefited from that. But Sweetfish has been doing B2B podcasting for five years. We've launched over a hundred podcasts. All we do are B2B podcasts and we have 60 or 70 shows under active management our own flagship show is that I know of the only podcast for B2B marketers that is seven days a week. We are over 1600 episodes. So we've taken our lumps. We've iterated along the way. We're still trying to get better because one of our core values is to never stop learning. But I think that mass that we have accumulated in five years of honing our process and expanding on what we've been doing it is something that I love to share from our experience that I think can benefit other people that are new to podcasting, which, you know, quite frankly, I hop on sales calls all the time. And people are like, now, Logan, we're new to podcasting. And I, I tell them, guess what? It, whether you're a marketing team of one or 50, I'm hearing that same thing, right? Yeah. So let that be a little bit of comfort that you're not alone in approaching a new channel. And we've been doing it for a while. So you can learn from us. 
I love it. What kind of results do you guys nail? And I, I'm asking all these questions up front so that we lock our audience in and they listen to your not only tactical, but strategic advice. Yeah. So what yeah. kind of results do you deliver for your, your 70 ish on, you know, people who are on your retainer now? Yeah, absolutely. So when people think about podcasting, they think about the audience, the reach of their podcast, which is a longer term play. It's not, you know, podcasting is very top of funnel. If you think about a marketing funnel, it's not a decision phase piece of content. It's brand awareness, right? And so the audience building is a slower burn. So you need to know that. But where we drive shorter term results for our customers is we specifically focus on B2B podcasting, which is different than like a mass market podcast. A mass market podcast, the way to monetize it is to eventually get sponsors, get Mm -hmm. a huge audience that then buy your services or your product or your online course or whatever. Most of our customers are selling B2B. And that means that, you know, one, they have a larger deal size, whether they're selling, you know, accounting services or tech or some sort of SaaS platform. And so a way to play the short game and the long game and drive results sooner is to interview people who could do business with you, potential customers that fit your buyer persona, interview them as the guests on your podcast. Because guess what? You create content that the rest of your audience uh, cares about because they're hearing from their peers. But at the end of that 30 minute Zoom call that you use to record your podcast, you have a new relationship with someone who could buy from you today or tomorrow or in the next 30 days. And so that is where a lot of our customers are looking at this framework that our CEO wrote a book on called content-based networking, which is different than content marketing where you're just creating content for your audience, but you're with content-based networking, you're creating it with them. So we've seen some people close over a million dollars worth of business with guests on their podcasts. We've seen people drive hundreds of thousands of dollars in closed business within the first six to 12 months of their podcast based on the strategic, the strategy of interviewing people who could actually do business with you in those guest relationships, mapping straight to revenue, mapping to referrals or new partnerships or whatever the case is while they're building the long-term play of helping that content reach the audience that they're trying to reach. Beautiful. All right, Logan, uh, you sold me. I'm ready to listen. I think you're the guy for this show of how to create a podcast, the 26 steps. Guys, if you're listening right now, I want to give away a copy of our book. So we wrote a book last year, Scaling Your Business with virtual professionals. Now, wildly enough, we didn't know that coronavirus was going to kill everything and our book would be so relevant. But right now, it's the guide to going remote. If you're listening and you're struggling with employees and, you know, blended teams and complete remote things, everything you need to know is in that book. So if you're listening, you can text SVP Sam Victor Paul to 31996 and you'll get a copy of our best-selling book. It's it hit number 1 in business, which was really really awesome for us and for me personally. Logan, let's start with cuz you mentioned B2B sales and interviewing your clients. I think the most important place to start is building a strategy first. And that piece that you mentioned is such a key point. And I want to get into it, but I want to start with strategy and then go to those kind of sales tactics. What is the strategy for a podcast? What should be my, if I intend to go after B2B kind of sales? 
Yeah, I think number one is the name of your show. And the big misstep that we see a lot of companies make is branding the show around them, you know, so Mm -hmm. naming it the Sweet Fish Podcast or, you know, whatever it is and just putting your your name in there. And while that sounds authoritative, no one's searching in the podcast app for your company name, right? They might find it on a Google search or something like that, but in the podcast app, definitely not. And also if our flagship show is B2B growth because uh, growth is something that's important to the B2B marketers that are typical buyer persona. And B2B is a widely searched term because there's a big difference between B2C marketing and B2B marketing, at least in, in tactics. There are a lot of crossover in storytelling, stuff like that. So one, if we had named our flagship show, the Sweetfish Media Podcast, or even around our expertise, the B2B podcasting podcast, most B2B marketers that we sell to, they spend a fraction of their time thinking about podcasting as one channel, as one way amidst all the other things that they're trying to do, uh, you know, figure out their MarTech stack, manage a marketing team, advance in their own marketing career, and all those sorts of things, how they're managing LinkedIn and Instagram and other social media channels. Podcasting is one piece of that. So one, by naming our flagship show B2B Growth, we are leveraging just the built-in nature of the way people are searching in podcast apps. I want to find out about B2B marketing. Boom. Ours is one of the top results for the term B2B, which is heavily searched. Also, when I go to invite one of our ideal customers to be a guest on the show, which is usually a VP of marketing at a B2B tech company of 50 plus employees and say, hey, do you want to share your marketing expertise on B2B growth? They say, yeah, absolutely. They're flattered. It makes sense to them. And so you're reducing the friction for guests saying yes to be on your show and for your potential listeners to find your show. Because if I had invited that VP of marketing saying, hey, do you want to be a guest on the B2B podcasting show? They would say, well, I've never done a podcast. I don't have anything to speak to. Well, that eliminates that. So branding your show around your ideal listener and guest. Now, you may not go all in on what we call content-based networking. So you may think of your audience persona and your guest persona may be a little bit different, but think about that either around your ideal guest or your ideal listener. What are they searching for where your expertise fits within that umbrella? It's just kind of good content marketing 101. Go a level up, right? Um, You know, you guys have done it in not just talking about providing virtual assistance, but how do you do remote work well, right? Right. That's the level up. And so I think you got to do that with your podcast name. Well, and I think you're spot on. The other day I was talking to one of my friends and he's launching this consultancy for businesses that want to sell. And I'm going through his website and he's got him and his partner's name on the main page in the description. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Build a brand, build a brand that your audience goes, damn it, I need that. I need that right now. And this is a mistake that people are making in in the podcast world is they try to personally brand themselves into the podcast, which is, I, I, I can't agree more with you. The idea here, and if you're listening um, and you want to write something down, I think this is probably the most important thing. You want your ideal client to go, damn it, I need that in their gut, in their heart and their gut. They need to go, oh my goodness, I need to be on that show or I need to listen to that show or I need that you know, product or service or that 
beautiful green pasture where the sky is blue and the water's perfect and there are fish and there are trees, you know, those are the kind of, you, you want the, to make your ideal customer go, wow, I need that. And that's a mistake people are making. Well, let's go. Okay. So we've named it. We've got our ideal person that we want to attract business and we've got our ideal audience, you know, who we're going to actually have as a guest. So that ideal person listens, right? What's next in the strategy setup? Yeah, I think thinking through different uh, types of episodes. So as much as we use our podcast for content-based networking, which is creating content with your ideal buyers, occasionally on B2B growth, we do what we call a behind the curtain episode where Mm -hmm. I interview our CEO and we share the lessons that we're learning that are applicable to our audience. So we do work in the personal brands of our team members and we've started to get more members of our team. And I've had some people, you know, on shows that we produce, our producers said, hey, this customer's podcast is getting a little bit salesy. Maybe it's because they're interviewing internal folks. And I push back against that and saying, it's not because they're interviewing internal people. It's because the way they think about their content is, you know, meant to be promotional rather than educational. So whether you're turning and interviewing someone internal, you're interviewing an outside guest who fits your buyer persona, or you're doing a solo episode. I've seen, there are a lot of podcasts that I listen to where the solo episodes, I think are sometimes better than the guest episodes, like the Craig Groeschel leadership podcast. Now he's a, you know, mega church pastor and he's a really great speaker. So he does really good at solo episodes, obviously, but that sort of variety of these different types of episodes will get you into a really nice rhythm and kind of change things up for your guests. Another thing you can do is have guests on in a repeat fashion. So if you want to build that rapport and that relationship with your guest, one thing we started doing is, okay, we have a daily show for B2B marketers. We try to focus on really tactical things like leading a remote marketing team, how you're leveraging LinkedIn, uh, doing Facebook ads effectively and get very tactical. So we started doing kind of a change up episode that's even shorter than our normal 15 to 20 minute episodes where I have someone back on and say, what are the five things you can't live without in work and in life? Lots of people say they're Peloton. Hey, I have this sun lamp that has been helping me get some, you know, boost my mood as I've been in quarantine, that sort of yeah. stuff. So it changes things up for the listener. It's a little bit different episode type. And it also allows me to build a relationship with that guest even further through a second content collaboration. So think about mixing up your episodes. And the other thing that I'll say about the internal episodes or the solo episodes is that as you start to build a brand, there will be room for you to share your direct expertise. Now, it shouldn't be, hey, I'm going to share my expertise about our product. It should be, I share my expertise about the area that you as a practitioner are trying to figure out right now, whether you serve CEOs of small businesses or accountants or HR leaders. And something that you can do that we've started doing is do some search analysis. Let's say, okay, you want to be known for managing virtual assistants. We use a methodology called Google Alphabet Soup, where we would say virtual assistant A, and look at what does Google auto suggest give you? Because even outside of tools like Moz and Ahrefs that get very technical into keyword planning, we go right to the source, to Google, and then you'll see virtual assistant 
A might give us, I don't know, that's kind of your area of expertise. So I don't know what it might suggest, but then you go B and then C, and then you take virtual assistant and you put A in front of it and Google auto suggest will give you, usually for each one of those going through what we call Google alphabet soup, will give you some longer tail keywords. And so you can see what people are searching on. Obviously out of every 10 of those suggestions, there might only be one or two or zero that really fit right? Because it might say virtual assistant Atlanta. Like, ah, that's not really a keyword I want to create content around. But once you find those, the next step would then be to type in those searches. Let's say you identify 10 after going through the alphabet soup that, hey, these are keywords that people are searching and I have something to speak to. So type in those searches, look at what's on the first page of Google and analyze those. Where are they missing? Where are they not going deep enough? Where did they not cover things enough? Now plan an episode of your podcast that will answer that question better and turn it not only into a podcast based on that framework, but then turn it into a blog post for your site that has now been reverse engineered to hit the first page of Google. Now that blog post can have a lead magnet, can have a call to action to subscribe to your show. And so your podcast is feeding the blog and your blog is feeding the podcast. I love what you're saying. I, I want to add one step more. First of all, I've never heard of Google, Google Alphabet. I think that's brilliant, right? The one thing that I would add is you want to make sure that Google, there's a certain amount of people searching for that key phrase. Once you narrow it down to the 10 list, like, you know, virtual assistants, a, it probably would be virtual assistants, a guide, right? Well, if nobody's searching that, then I wouldn't create an episode around that, right? I want to add that in so that our audience is clear about the SEO and the, and how that would actually add value. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a step that I mentioned before that is you start with kind of a a key term, B2B sales, virtual assistants, remote work, right? And look at Google trends. Is that something that is showing Ah. a steady incline over time? Or is it something that had a spike, a really quick spike and is probably going to drop off? A good example would be B2B marketing, right? It's showing like this remote work showing, showing like this. And for folks that are just listening, I'm going up into the right steadily versus fidget spinners. You look at Google trends and you'll see a big spike and then a drop off. Right. And so the core term that you are trying to find longer phrases around needs to be something that shows a decent search volume. Doesn't look like it's going to have a propensity to drop off a cliff, like underwater basket weaving or fidget spinners Uh, so that you have a good foundation. And then as you find those longer tail keywords that are less competitive because remote work, you know, if you're trying to hit spot one on page one for just remote work, that is going to be a tough road to hoe right? I I will tell you that. But if you find keywords that are longer tail that show really good intent, like virtual assistant onboarding, or, you know, how to pick a virtual assistant, um, or how to train a virtual assistant, those are longer term, they're going to maybe have less search volume than just virtual assistant, but they're going to show intent. And it's going to be easier to outrank the stuff that is on the page, page one of Google for those longer terms. So you just nailed something and wildly enough, I don't know why we're turning this into an SEO thing, but the intent to purchase that's top of funnel versus bottom of funnel. How do you know the difference in the podcasting world? Yeah, I would say this isn't necessarily specific to podcasting, but just your marketing in general, you need to understand, uh, is it awareness, consideration, or decision phase if you think about your funnel in those three three delineations? Mm -hmm. And that's where your expertise 
comes in in your area. You know, Daniel, right. you probably know the questions that people are asking. If you, if I so showed you a question about remote work or virtual assistants, yep. you would say, this is someone who just is like been exposed to this idea for the first time and right. they're just trying to get their bearings versus right. something that is more purchase driven, like comparing virtual assistant pricing or, you know, programs or something like that, you know, those are going to say, Hey, is this more in the awareness phase versus the decision page? So when you do an episode and a corresponding blog post with the awareness phase, the call to action might be to subscribe to your podcast. So you get them hooked and getting more content from you over time. If it is a blog post that is then more like pricing, a comparison, guide, first five steps, that sort of stuff, then the call to action is probably book a sales call or consume right. another piece of gated content so that you can get them into a nurture sequence. So thinking about where do they fit in the funnel is definitely important. Wow. Okay. Uh, really good stuff. Let's talk about how to book guests. Like, cause a lot of people, they want Grant Cordone or Zig Ziglar who by the way, is not here with us anymore, but has a great podcast. I've listened to probably 300 of his episodes, right? But one challenge that people have in this space is they aren't sure if they should highlight their business, their service, or get a guest who has a huge audience and try to penetrate their audience. And so talk us yeah. through the strategy of who I should get as a guest and how. I'm I'm so glad you asked this question, Daniel, because it's one that we get a lot. So one, let me, let me remove some of the fear, just like the, I'm the only one where podcasting is a new channel that I spoke to earlier. You will be surprised if you reach out to practitioners, if you sell to small businesses in Tampa, or you sell to HR leaders in the financial services sector or operation managers in manufacturing, if you've branded the show around them, and you say, and you change the ask of, please be our guest to, hey, we have a show that's all about folks just like you. And we want to highlight your expertise because you've been in this business for 10 plus years or 30 years or whatever. Right, right. So changing the way that you ask and making it a deposit for that potential guest, you will be very surprised for them not to ask, well, how many episodes do you have? Who else has been a guest on your show? How many downloads do you get of every podcast episode? Oftentimes you will get a yes before you get those questions. So one, just try it out. When you do the outreach, don't make it a big PR pitch. I get pitched every single day for people to be guests on our podcast and it's five paragraphs long. It's all (laughs) about the guest, the bio, what they could talk about. I don't read any of it because it's way too long. It's an ask. And I look for the LinkedIn profile. I usually click that and then I can tell in two seconds if it's a good fit for our our show or not. Uh, And so keep your outreach we build a three email sequence with each email, not usually being longer than three to five sentences, because Mm -hmm. what you do is you create that curiosity gap. Hey, we have a podcast for business owners in Florida. Want to be our guest? What's the name of your podcast? And now you've gotten engagement and you can take it from there. So many people are like, I have to answer all the objections in that first email, which if you come from a sales background, like myself and and yourself, Daniel, you know that you don't just blow everything and try and answer every objection up front. But when we think about getting guests for our podcast, we sometimes make that misstep. So that's another thing that I recommend consistently. The other piece that you asked about that we get a lot is, man, if we get Gary Vee on our podcast, our show is going to blow up. Right. Grant Cardone or, you know, whoever it is. And one, people are not, let's say they are subscribed to your podcast. 
Mm-hmm. If they see, they're not searching your headlines to see when are you talking to Gary V. They're usually more making the decision to listen to that episode or not based mm-hmm. on an engaging headline that tells them what am I going to get out of this and the value that you've been providing with your previous episodes. If they get three episodes in and it's like, ah, oh, this is all salesy, it's not really valuable, I'm going to unsubscribe. The yep. other thing is that Gary V does not bring his audience with him to your podcast. If they're following Gary, they're following him on Instagram, on LinkedIn, they're listening to his podcast, they're subscribed to his YouTube channel. Now he might repurpose something from where he was on another podcast, which he does really, really well, right? Yep. But that doesn't mean they're going to come listen to your podcast. So, and also if they already have a massive following like a Tim Ferriss or a Gary V, they don't have the incentive to promote their episode. They have their own following, they have their own channels and yeah. they're getting access to other people's audience all the time yeah. versus when I feature a VP of marketing who's maybe five years into their marketing career at a SaaS company, you know, that's a series A and I interview them, it might be the first time they've been interviewed on a podcast. So guess right. what they do? They're freaking proud of that. They share the episode graphic, they post on LinkedIn, they tweet yep. about it. And then the people in their network who guess what are other VPs of marketing at SaaS companies most often yep. see that. And so I think people have this misnomer about getting a thought leader on my podcast is the way to explode my audience growth on my audience growth. And we literally did an episode on it's not the key that you think it is. We can share that in the show notes as well. But that's my two cents on that. Well, I think it's important too. I, I'm just going to the reason you're on this show, and I'm giving this as an example because I hate leaders or podcasters or anybody, marketers who say, well, this is how you should do it. And I I hate it because they're intellectually thinking it will work. I I just give people true examples of how we do it and say, you should copy us because what, why we're here is our PR person reached out to you. We got onto your show and literally the week before and the two weeks after, since we've talked, we've probably gotten 20, 30, 40 questions. How do I launch a podcast? And I'm like, well, dang, our key clients are saying, I need to do digital marketing. I need, I need to up my game when it comes to this exterior marketing. And I don't know how to do that. And I need a virtual assistant and I, and I need somebody to tell me what to do. In fact, I was literally on a call just this morning, two hours ago, helping somebody with their podcast. And I'm like, okay, who do we know? And that's how Logan got here. So I think it's a great example of how you as our audience should think about who your guests are. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I really appreciate that. Okay. So let's talk about measurement because the scariest thing for a marketing team is to be in action and not know what the goal is or the metrics of knowing whether they're steadily climbing, right? Nobody wants their marketing team to feel like they're spinning their wheels or wasting their time or not generating revenue or even eyeballs and engagement. Let's break down how to measure, how, to, how long it should take, you know, how to know that you're making progress and what are some of the key metrics to follow over time? Yeah. So downloads is, is the first obvious one. The way we think about podcasts, metrics, and analytics though, is that your podcast should be the top of your content waterfall. It should be feeding your SEO strategy, your blog strategy. It should be feeding your video strategy. It should be feeding your social strategy, whether Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn is kind of your, your Mm -hmm. bread and butter based on the audience that you're trying to reach. And so when you think about it that way, 
there are a lot more things to measure. So that's the good and the bad news, right? I got to measure more, but then I have more to measure. So I use a tool called Shield that lets me analyze my LinkedIn organic content. It will show me how many views, how much engagement on each post, my follower count over time, which, which posts have different hashtags that are getting the most engagement. So it's a good iterative you know, analysis to do on what should I be creating more content, but it's also a way to measure your LinkedIn engagement over time. You know, Dan Sanchez, James Carberry, uh, and myself on our team just finished recording a podcast episode all around thought leadership. How do you measure thought leadership? It's kind of this fluffy term that's a little bit ambiguous. And what Dan said, I thought really resonated with me is that you will notice that everything gets easier. It's like lubricant to an engine. It makes everything run more smoothly or thought leadership does that. And so what you need to do is, is measure everything. Are our sales velocity, are sales closing faster? Are we seeing greater? When I look at my closed deals over the last quarter or two quarters, is inbound versus outbound, is that going up, right? Because if you're developing thought leadership content like a podcast, then you should be seeing more demand for your company. Another leading indicator would be branded search, right? If someone heard you, Daniel, on your podcast or as a guest on another podcast, you know, they might not follow the link right in the show notes, but they might hop off and search my outdesk. Right. Right. And so looking at your social channel engagement, looking at your downloads, obviously, you know, one of the goals of one of our customers was to get booked with more speaking engagements back when conferences were a thing. Um, And so they they looked at how many speaking engagements did we have last year? How many requests and how many yeses are we getting pitching our chief evangelist out to be a speaker? And is that moving up and to the right? And so there are all these different things that you can look at to see, are they moving up and to the right as opposed to just the download numbers? Now, Mm -hmm. if you're doing a B2B podcast, most shows start by trying to hit 100 downloads per episode, try to hit 500 downloads per episode, uh, those sort of benchmarks that you're trying to get to within the first year. And I get it. I hear a lot of people that are just like, And that sounds so discouraging because one podcast listenership is not like YouTube where you can see the views right on the video, right? And so it's kind of behind this curtain. I like to just bring that out in the open and say, well, let's talk about that because that probably sounds super discouraging because you're thinking Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, Joe Rogan type numbers. One, you don't need to reach that many people. You probably have a few hundred or a few thousand people that if they really knew and loved you and your brand, that would be a game changer for your business. Uh, Two, I know a lot of B2B brands that will drop five, six, eight, 10 K on a webinar. And if they get 150 signups, they're like, Whoa, that was awesome. Right. Right. We're talking about a few hundred people who are not just showing up once, but they're subscribed. They're regularly tuning in. They didn't just register and like, Oh, I'll get the recording and then never watch it. They are consuming 30 minutes oftentimes of someone from your team and actually their voice. And it's a very intimate medium. People tend not to unsubscribe from podcasts. And so all of those things, I say not to like sell you on podcasting. I say to put the right lens on when you look at, okay, I'm three months in and I'm getting a hundred downloads per episode. And that seems kind of small versus my expectation. But when I've had that conversation about like comparing it to webinars and the actual consumption and engagement rates that are typical with podcasting, people kind of have this unlock of, wait, that is, that's pretty good, 
right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Logan, we need to wrap up. I really appreciate you today. We've covered a ton of strategy. So I want to make sure that we make sure our audience knows how to, you know, book a consult with you, get a hold of you because we're calling this the 26 steps to launching a podcast, even though we just did strategy stuff today. So in the show notes, we've got your blog posting, which actually has those tactical steps. But if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Logan, and really, you know, take advantage of all of your years of 1600 different podcasts that you've produced or whatever the number is, how would they do that? Yeah, so I'll make it nice and easy. Uh, You can simply text me 719-657-7119. It's not a mass text service. You're not going to get into a a drip campaign or anything like that. You can just text me directly if you have a question about anything that I covered today or if you want to set up a uh, consultation for a podcast strategy session. The link in the show notes will get you to our 26-step guides guide if you want to walk through that yourself. If you're looking for more support, either from just a consultation or an execution standpoint from our team, uh, you can get in touch with me. Just text me 719-657-7119. Logan, thanks a lot for being here. You've been amazing. If you're listening right now, I believe this is the future podcast, digital marketing. If you're not in this space right now, in the next six months, you better be. And so this is such timely content. Thanks again for being here, Logan, and giving so much value to our audience. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation and really appreciate the time, Daniel. 